Good morning, everyone. So I'm pretty sure you all know me, so I don't need to introduce myself, but for the benefit of online, uh, my name is Paul, and I have the privilege of leading the team that oversees New Life Community Church. I was given uh, an early Christmas present this week from my children, the gift of a cold. So, of course, I'm looking for an awful lot of sympathy. (laughs) And I also wanted to let you know that I actually was feeling a little bit under the weather when, under the weather when preparing this message. (laughs) I could really feel the sympathy. (laughs) So whereas I'd hope to bring you a bucket load of blessing from God's word, it really feels like I'm just actually bringing the little that I have to offer, which I think when, when I wasn't feeling quite right. I think really, you know, I'll say, God, take what I've got, use it and cause it to be a blessing and multiply it, which is actually ends up being really quite ironic because the message I felt in my heart to share with you today is really about bringing the little something that we have to offer, trusting that God will take it and use it for more than we can imagine. And so we're going to look at a few scenarios in scripture that teach and help us to know that this is actually almost a preferred scenario for God. We bring a little something. God takes that and does mighty things. So I'm going to pray and then we'll crack on. So Heavenly Father, I do pray, Lord God, that you will teach us and fuel us by the power of your word this morning. And I pray that, Father, that it will get right to the heart of the matter. Lord, cut through all the other things that are going on in life. Father, that you would shape us Teach us, correct us, encourage us through the power of your word that, Father, we may go out of this room today transformed by it. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, the preach title for today's message is called Taking a Handful. Taking a Handful. And I'm going to give you a little handful scenario. So the movie is about to begin The family is sitting down in a lounge and you open up your tub of heroes or celebrations or something similar and you want to express something of the generosity of the occasion and so I start by handing the tub to my children and I say these words. Take a handful. Of course the tub goes, does the rounds, one family member to another eventually comes back to you. Upon its return, something quite incredible has happened. Miraculous, you might even say. The tub, which was completely full when started, has been emptied. So much that only a handful remains. And at best, the handful of the chocolate that no one else wants to eat. A handful is what you can take off and hold in one hand. It could be a handful of sand, it could be a handful of cookies and jammy dodgers, a handful of sweets, a handful of marbles. The phrase can also be used to, you know, to explain a particular scenario, you know, like when you see a little toddler creating chaos, or a footballer who might be difficult to play against. You might say, oh, they look like a handful. And that word handful can be used to emphasize something of equally a positive or negative nature, depending on the situation. Today, we're going to look at several handful moments in Scripture and see what it teaches us about our relationship with God 
his expectation of us and the way that he operates. There will be many of us here now who feel like we have very little to offer to God. I'm here to say the Bible has good news for you. I think it's safe to say that in comparison to God, we all offer very little. But I'm also here to say that this is the type of scenario that would seem preferable to God. It gives him an opportunity to show what he brings to the table. And I think as we explore these scriptures, we'll understand it's not really about the amount, the amount that we offer, but the heart behind it and what we bring and, what the, beauty of what, and the beauty of what God does with it. So we're going to start by having a look at our first handful, having a handful of faith. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17, I'm just going to read one verse. Matthew 17, I'm going to read to you verse 20, but keep your thumb in it in case you want to use it as a reference point. So Jesus says, we call it verse 20b. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is a, it's a pretty powerful verse, really, that helps us understand that you don't need a lot in the locker to see God do mighty things. A handful of faith can be potent, can be powerful when properly prepared and applied. I was watching this documentary about chilies. Uh, I think it was in South America, you know, where people would prepare the chilies by leaving thousands of them in these like, huge open containers like to bake in the sun. Leaving them like this would like, increase... I don't know anything about cooking, so you can correct me afterwards. But leaving them like this would increase their potency significantly. Clearly, it's something quite difficult to manufacture here because of our climate. That's why the, the best chilies tend to be imported. Small things, if prepared and applied well, can be potent and powerful. The context of this scripture is that the faith of Israel, the people at the time of Jesus and his disciples, they needed to be baked for a bit in the sun. The verse that we have just read overflows from a context. In, verse, in chapter 17, we read that there is a boy who's been presented to Jesus, a boy who needed to be healed, to be made well. The disciples couldn't do it, and the father even comes to Jesus with a sense of, Maybe this guy can help. And the father of the boy asked Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. To which Jesus replies, if you can? What do you mean by if you can? Jesus is concerned to move his disciples, the generation around him, from a position of if you can, 
to a place of, I know you can. It's a small difference, but one that significantly changes the potency and power because it's been baked in the sun. When you take a handful of goodies from the celebrations tub, you've got to do something with the handful. You could keep hold of it. If you do, chocolate's going to melt in your hand. It's going to become a little bit of a messy situation. You can give it to someone else, or you can keep it for yourself. One way gets melty and messy, another fills up someone else, and another fills up yourself. I think that's the way faith can operate. Giving a handful of what you've got can actually really bless someone when they need that little bit of extra support. Equally, you mustn't forget that you are in need of a feeding of faith. What you don't want that to do is let that faith lay idle in your hand, because that's when it gets a little bit chocolatey and messy. The biggest difference, however, is that what you are giving or what you are feeding yourself with. That's the difference. It can be just something small like, if you can, versus I know you can. And that can be the difference between what is a mild and flavorless chili to that which is potent and powerful. The I know you can is the handful of faith, the mustard seed approach that understands who you belong to, who you are partnered with. Jesus, the one for whom and through whom all things were made. He is the mountain mover. And that handful of faith, with a small difference of I know you can, will help you view huge obstacles as no obstacle to God. I know that other people in my life have very much inspired me by their faith. And it's not, actually, it's not necessarily about how big their faith has been. But at times I know they've offered me a handful of what they've got. And that has most certainly fueled me in a potent and powerful way. Jesus prevails. Jesus wins. Jesus heals. Jesus directs. Faith that is not accompanied by if you can, but a handful of faith in Jesus that says, I know you can. What are you offering to others? Or what are you feeding yourself when it comes to your handful of faith? It seems crazy that we're not far from the beginning of uh, 2023. My gosh, year has just flown by. And we we are going to have plenty of opportunities for handfuls of faith to be put into practice. Nothing is impossible with God, with God. Nothing is impossible for God. But let those handfuls of faith be saturated with a heart attitude of, I know you can. A heart attitude that will fuel others, fuel ourselves, and see mighty obstacles moved with the little that we have to offer to a mighty God. Okay, from Matthew 17, we're going to turn to, what's it going to be a bit of, it's Bible fun, isn't it? Judges chapter 7. I'm going to read Judges chapter 7 and verse 2. Or... Just before Kings, kind of like first third of your book. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. 
The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. From handfuls of faith, we can begin to look at a handful of people that God chooses to overcome an army. An army in number that was as vast as the sand on the seashore. And it wasn't because these people God chose were lacking in number, but they were intentionally reduced so that Israel would not boast in their own strength, but that God would rightfully receive all the glory. So God takes a handful of people with a handful of faith who knew that God could. In those days, the nation of Israel, they had, they had no king, and they were constantly choosing paths that were unfaithful to God. Their unfaithfulness led them into seasons of captivity to other nations, seasons of oppression, into seasons of great fear for the people, and yet despite their unfaithfulness, God remained faithful to them. And he caused champions to be raised up judges who would save the Israelites from the hand of their enemy. And here in Judges 7, the champion we're reading about is a guy called Gideon, a guy whom God appoints from a clan that no one would expect a champion to come from. Gideon's story is really a story of faithfulness. And God's call, God calls Gideon to challenge and conquer this Midian army, this this army that was vast as a number of sand on the seashore, this army that had been terrorizing the nation of Israel, he calls them to challenge and conquer this army. And Gideon responds by sending out messengers for men of war to join him, to which 32,000 people respond. Even then, Gideon and his Israelite army are vastly outnumbered by the Midianites. It's already going to take the power of God if there was going to be any hope of victory. However, God whittles this army down from 32,000 to 300. How, how would you feel? I was thinking about England v. France. Imagine you, you, know, you get to the bit where you're lining up with your teammates next to you, and then suddenly the manager says, no, no, just you versus 11. Have a go, see how you get on. You would be bricking it a little bit, wouldn't you? That's a very small number against a very large army. On paper, the statistics are are not your friend. There is a wonderful moment in this account where God says to Gideon, um, I'll paraphrase this, God says, I've given this army into your hand, but if you are afraid, take yourself down to the camp, along with your servant, and your hands shall be strengthened. Meaning go to the enemy, and you're going to be encouraged by what your enemy is going to say. And so he does that. I love that Gideon you know, is brave enough to admit his fear in the matter. He goes and hears for himself firsthand that the fear of God is running through this Midianite camp. All he's going to need is a little tip over the edge. It's all going to come crumbling down. Isn't it amazing what God can do with a handful of people? Whether we're looking at 300 here or the 12 that Jesus gathers or the guys who lower the paralyzed man through the roof. Through the scriptures, we discover handfuls of people 
everywhere that God uses to accomplish great things. In this particular story, I love firstly that the statistics look horrible, which, you know, given our current budget meeting, I was, I was thinking, brilliant, you know, the statistics look horrible, you know. <clears throat> but with God, nothing's impossible. And secondly, I love that God gives Gideon an opportunity in his fearfulness to be encouraged and strengthened for the task ahead. We are told that the part of the reason for these events that we have in Scripture recorded are for the reason that we might learn from them and have hope. Romans 15.4 tells us that. Handfuls of people being faithful to God and seeing mighty victories is something I'm truly encouraged by. Because I think I look at us in Wimborne and in Falling Bridge as we look to Downton and to Verwood, we see handfuls of people who can claim mighty victories with Jesus and for Jesus. Statistics mean little other than that they show how mighty God is going to go before his people. I'm also grateful to our God who would encourage us in our fear and strengthen our hands that we might press on with a heart attitude of, I know you can. I know you can. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 17. Just a little bit on from Judges. 1 Kings 17, I'm going to read to you from verses 8 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So here in 1 Kings 17, we discover an account of a guy called, a prophet called Elijah, and a widow in a place called Zarephath. It's a very Star Wars-y name. Okay, the narrative centers around the ingredients, actually, for our final meal. It centers around the ingredients for a final meal. There's a handful of flour, a little oil in a jug to be mixed and baked. This poor family, this house of the widow, they're on the brink of starvation. And it's here that Elijah arrives and asks whether there is any food to spare. And the widow replies that it's effectively the, mar- the last meal that they have. And Elijah, the Lord's prophet, says to them, do not fear. Elijah then asks that she actually prepare the meal for her and her son. But first, bring Elijah a small portion of it. And then he speaks of God's promise that in doing so, God would provide for them from the handful of which she gives out. So she gives out of what she has, this potential final meal, and trusts what God has promised through his prophet. And God was faithful. Out of the handful she had, her her son ate for, as Scripture says, many days. That handful of flour did not diminish 
and the jug of oil did not empty. It can be interesting what God asks of us when we're right on the breadline, whether that be literally or, or metaphorically. When we think we've got nothing else left to give, it seems God may still call us to give out of the handful that we have. It is here in the most desperate of circumstances that God provides miraculously. And if it is recorded for us in this book, it is there for us to learn from. God may ask to give of ourselves in the most extreme of circumstances. You may only feel like you have a handful to give. That might feel like your time, or your passion, or your skills, your material possessions, your energy, your emotions. But here is a story of God's great provision for those he loves and who are faithful to him. The handful does not disappear. The jar does not run dry. God provides for those he loves. But that can feel to start with, that faithfulness to God in that circumstance can feel costly. To give out of the handful is huge to you. It's also huge to God. And a decision he's asking you to trust him with. You know, I'm actually preaching this stuff and I'm simultaneously receiving this stuff because it applies to me. It applies to us as a church family. These handfuls are significant to God, whether faith or people or flower. Matthew chapter 13. It's the last one. Matthew chapter 13. I'll read from verse uh, verse 3. So this is Jesus speaking. He said, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. So Jesus tells the great crowd that is gathered around him a parable about a sower. A sower who scatters seed that lands on different types of terrain, whether that's good soil or a hard path, rocky ground or where thorns grow. So the seed is the word of God, and the word of God is going to people who are hearing. And the terrain represents the different ways people will hear and receive the word of God. Now for us as God's church, in partnership with God, we become sowers of that seed, sharing the word, scattering the word of God in hope that it lands on good soil to ears that are ready to hear and hearts that are ready to receive, handfuls of seed being scattered. Handfuls of faith with handfuls of people, with handfuls of flour and handfuls of seed. God can do a great deal with just a handful. And we have a responsibility not to leave things... uh, Not to leave them idle. Not to just keep them in your hand, leaving them to get messy. But to give them out to others or to fuel ourselves. With that small, potent, powerful difference, that heart attitude, that confidence that says, I know God can. In regards to this scattering of seed for individuals, for us as a church family, I love that it's just handfuls. 
The terrain for each and every one of us is wherever we are. It's going to be your family, your scattering, your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues. You're just scattering around you the word of God. Just think your role, keep scattering. Keep scattering, knowing that God can. Knowing that as you take that handful and throw that seed out, some's going to land on good soil. Ears that are ready to hear. Hearts that are ready to receive. Our first carol services this evening, a lot of people will be there as a result of seed that has been scattered. And we'll scatter again tonight, and we'll scatter again next week, and we'll trust God with the rest. It's amazing what God can do with a handful of faith, a handful of people, a handful of flour, and a handful of seed. How do we respond to such things? Let me invite Carl and Gordon to come lead us. Let's stand together, shall we, guys? So I feel uh, this word is meant to be an encouragement. A handful is enough. It's amazing what God can do with just a handful. So there's an encouragement for some of you here who feel like they have very little to offer compared to others. And if that is you, In my preparation, I feel like God would say to you personally, bring what you've got. It might feel like a little to you, but if your confidence is in me, watch what I can do with a little handful. And you might even now need to respond to that, to offer that handful as a response. It might be a moment of prayer, It might be a moment of worship. It might be a moment of testimony. You might want to come and share testimony. You might want to share that little something, that handful that you've got in order that it might fuel someone else. Now, it might feel costly to bring it, but the encouragement and the challenge remains. Are you going to be faithful with the handful that you've got? Some of you, I feel as well, for some of you, you might have come this morning feeling completely empty-handed, like you actually haven't even got a handful to start with, and your response to this message may be, well, I can't do anything when I've got nothing. I also want to feel, I feel that God wants to speak to you graciously this morning and say, you might feel like you come empty-handed. I'm not going to let you leave here empty-handed. And so wherever you are at, if you feel God is speaking to you personally in this area, you feel like you've come empty-handed this morning, like you've got, it's not about having a little, it's about feeling like you've got nothing to bring. 
I want you to take your hands and open them before God. Just as an offering, it's just a sign, it's just a symbol. Open up your hands. Hold them open before God because I believe in our time of worship together now, He is going to fill them and give you a handful. And I believe He's going to fill both hands, okay? To give you a, a double portion. And this is the provision of His Spirit for you. And with the one hand, He will fill to fuel yourself. And the other hand, He will fill so that you can give it away to fuel others. So be filled with faith. Be filled with certainty. Be filled with peace. Be filled with seed to be scattered. Be filled with the provision that comes from God. Be filled and content for this Christmas time. Be filled and satisfied when anxiety comes knocking. When loneliness or isolation presents itself. Be filled with strength for the days ahead. And I feel God would say to you, when you feel empty, come open your hands before me again and I will fill them up. Watch what I do with only a handful. So whether we feel, Lord God, now, if we're just bringing a little, thank you for your wonderful word that teaches us what you do with a handful. If we come feeling empty-handed, God, I thank you that, Father, you're concerned to fill that emptiness up. And then you're not going to leave people here empty-handed. And I pray that it would be a double portion, one that would fuel themselves and they would be able to fuel others, Lord. Father, would you grant a, a, a double portion of filling to this church family, I ask. As we respond to you in thanksgiving, and in worship, in Jesus' name.